0: Countrywide on RTE Radio 1. Sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal. Now with our highest ever readership of 321,000 weekly readers. Countrywide on RTE Radio 1. Sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal. Bringing you expert commentary and analysis on what your future farm payments will look like.
1: Good morning and welcome to the programme. Coming up between now and nine o'clock. The Limerick lady still playing camogie and football at 62. 50 years of Ireland signing the Treaty of Accession to the EU. Recently retired CEO of Dairy Gold, Jim Wolf, live in studio. And for the day that's in it, we have reason to smile.
2: Text 51551. Email countrywide at rte.ie and tweet at rte countrywide.
1: But first, it's a crisp January day and I'm here on a farm outside Castle Lyons in County Cork. And I'm here to meet a young award-winning farmer who got into farming, but not the conventional way.
3: Right, if you go that way, you're heading to Tallow um, and Conor. Yeah, so
1: Waterford's that way. In December, Navin native Owen Ashton was named the 2021 FBD Mocker Firma Young Farmer of the Year, a prestigious national title recognising excellence in farming. But Owen is not from a farming background and does not own any land. Instead, he manages a dairy farm in Castle Lyons County, Cork, where he milks 150 cows of his own. Owen, I'm interested first uh, in your
3: parents. Tell me about them. Um, OK. Uh, well, they're not farming directly. So my mother is from North Wales, a place called Wrexham. And uh, they have a fam- long-term, like a uh, UK-based kind of family farm there. It's a long-term kind of rental agreement, a tenancy agreement. So she would have been growing up on a family farm. It's kind of a mixed um, dairy, beef, sheep um, operation. I would have got a lot of my uh, farming bug kind of from my uncle uh, whenever we used to go and visit there. My, um, my uncles, my aunts in Wales, I used to always go and help out in the farm. And then my dad, he is a geologist, and he is from Aberystwyth in mid-Wales. So they um, met in, actually they met in Aberystwyth, where I went to college as well, and um, they moved to Ireland at the end of 1970, at the beginning of 1980, to silver mines in Tipperary. And then they moved up to Navan I think in the mid-1980s, so my dad could uh, be the head geologist in tar mines. Okay, um, so it was work that brought them to Ireland? Yeah, so it was work that brought them to Ireland, yeah. Back in the 70s. No Irish connections at all? No Irish connections at all now, yeah. And then so all of us four... The four of us now, um, their children are all kind of born and raised in Ireland, I suppose. Right, so Ireland playing Wales in the Six Nations, who are you cheering for? Yeah, well, we all support Ireland, but then they support Wales, so it uh, can be made for interesting at times, all right. Yeah, so you grew up in Navan. Uh, I grew up in Navan, uh, so I went to school in uh, St. Patrick's Classical School in Navan, and then I went to Aberystwyth University then uh, to study agriculture after that. And where did your love of agriculture come from? Um, I suppose it was kind of in my blood because uh, my mother's side of the family were all farming, and just when I was younger, I just loved going over to Wales and being able to work the farm with my uncle. Alright, so, so the story begins in Wales, moves to Navan, and uh, now you're here in, in Castle Lines. So explain the setup here. So, the setup here is uh, it's, it's about 50 hectares farm. Uh, we're probably going to calve down 180 cows here this year. This farm in particular, I, um, I just moved here. Um, so 150 of the animals of the 180 here are mine, um, and they're leased back into the business here. And then I have another 20 that are leased out to a very good farm in Tipperary as well. OK, so, so you don't own a blade of grass per se? I don't own any land whatsoever, just stock. Do you have an ambition to actually own a farm someday? So uh, I'm happy with the setup at the moment because uh, it's allowed me to do uh, to be where I am t- to be honest and I must um, just thank uh, the people I work for Kevin and Margaret Toomey, for allowing me have the opportunity to be able to build up cows in their own business and um, yeah it's got me to where I am now however the next step for me is to kind of go out on my own and try and lease a farm at this present moment time and even if I look 10 or 15 years ahead I am not actually that uh, fussed about owning my own farm um, for me, I get most of my passion, love because I love cows. I love what I do, and um, so if I could um, lease a, a nice dairy farm from um, a retiring farmer, it would be brilliant for me.
1: Owen, oh, as a as a young dairy farmer, um, you're very aware of the big challenges that lie ahead for you in terms of. Uh, the impact of, of dairy farming and of agriculture in general on, on climate. Um, what, what are your thoughts in regards to all that?
3: Yeah, so uh, it's massive going forward. Um, I think farmers have copped a lot of this climate change thing as well, probably unfairly, but uh, at the same time, we do have to do a lot more um, in order to protect the industry and to protect the environment. So there is massive challenges coming ahead in terms of uh, reducing nitrogen, uh, which a lot of the dairy-based businesses rely on for grass growth so it's probably about being more um, intuitive uh, using the nitrogen at the right times at the right amounts uh, trying to cut back and um, better use of clover and making sure soil ph um, and p and k are correct because otherwise you're wasting your time with nitrogen anyway then better use of slurry and spreading it with the um, less emissions is also yeah. really important I don't see an awful lot of machinery around uh, here. Is farm safety something that's high up on your agenda? Yeah, so we wouldn't have any machinery. We have a tractor and a jeep, uh, and that's it. Um, the contractor does everything, so I would look at the farm debts. basically more than half are through farm machinery-related things, so we've basically cut kind of that risk away. Because any of the jobs uh, relating to PTO shafts or mixing, and agitating, and slurry, things like that, are done by a trained professional um, and we don't really get involved in that. Um, we don't have bulls in the farm only for three or four weeks of breeding um, and no one's left alone on the bull, and there's gates around the farm that you don't actually have to go into a pen to handle the bulls or to draft the bulls or any calving cows. You can always be in between yourself and a gate um, and get out of a place quickly.
1: What, what are the biggest challenges facing young farmers
3: like yourself now over the next 10 years? And are, and are you ready to meet them? Uh, yeah, I'm ready to meet anything for a start. Um, probably four or five big ones. I think uh, the environment one is a big one, but I don't think that's you can overcome that um, through being more innovative um, and being probably a better operator, just trying to try improve your business every year. Mm. Um, I think the milk contracts um, and kind of putting... Quotas back on dairy farmers is um, is a is a massive one to be honest. Probably one the biggest one. I would have said the environmental one before that, but now since that's kind of come out, I think that one's probably the biggest one. Um, I think uh, staff is going to be a big one coming in the future because there doesn't seem to be many um, many people around to uh, either manage farms or progress in farms as they should be. As the demand there's a massive demand out there, and there is good young people, but there isn't enough of them. And access to finance as well. Uh, that's n- generally, it's probably the last on the list, but it is still a problem, especially mm. if you're going into a lease farm and you have to build a new slurry tank and things like that when you only have a herd of cows um, and the bank doesn't uh, see them as security. So I wouldn't get a massive amount of money because I don't have, let's say, a land or a yeah. house to secure it against. If, it, if some bank came up and, and were able to find a way to be able to um, finance... Uh, loans against your cows it would massively help the progression of uh, young people like myself and farming who don 't have any other security and it help them progress so mm-hmm. I think there's a few definitely a few uh, issues there but I think all of them are surmountable like.
1: all right well congratulations on winning the FBD mark on a farmer young farmer of the Year award uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful achievement for you and continued success here uh, and into the future
3: thanks very much Damien thank you very much.
1: And that was Owen Ashton in Castle Lyons, County Cork there. A young man with a bright outlook for the future. So we are we ready? Uh, so we are already well into the month of January. And according to a recent survey, two out of three of us will give up a New Year's resolution by the end of this month. I didn't make one, so nothing to give up. But if you're looking for inspiration to keep going, my next guest will provide that in spades. Pauline McCarthy from Ballybrick County Limerick for her age age is but a number she recently was part of the Junior B football team that won the County Championship with her club St Davies. just a week after her 62nd birthday and on the day Pauline scored 1-2 and she also played in the County Camogie final with her club but they didn't uh, win that one can't win everything Pauline good morning to you
0: Good morning, Damien. How are you?
1: And lovely to chat to you, Pauline. Congratulations on the county title. One, I'm sure, of many that you've lost you. count of. Um, what keeps Absolutely. you so enthusiastic and, and fit to play at the age of, of 62?
0: Well, I suppose it's, it's something I've never given it up, you know. I've never had to stop playing so... I'm, I've had been very lucky with injuries and things that I haven't been injured. So um, I just look forward to it. I'm, I don't make New Year's resolutions either like yourself. So I don't have anything to live up to or to be trying to trying to make difficult for myself. So um, I go training at the beginning of the year. And if I'm good enough, then someone picks me for the team and I'll play away. So, so as you said,
1: you, you know, you've never stopped. So you've never obviously thought about retiring. Do you fear retiring?
0: Not at all, no. Look for every player, you're two minutes away from retiring. Like, you know, you're two minutes away from an injury or even less, ten seconds away from an injury that could stop everything, you know? Yeah. But so if, I, if I enjoyed, I don't see why I should have to f- to give it up if I enjoy something why do you feel you have to give it up? Well, I suppose for a lot of people, father time, and once you cross
1: the big four zero, maybe in a, in a lot of cases, particularly I suppose with a lot of men and and, and women as well, other <laughs> things take over in life. But for you, you just obviously are I'm, I'm immersed are Im- immersed in it.
0: Well, I'm, I'm I'm immersed. It's not really that difficult, I suppose, for me. I'm I'm single anyway in the first place, so I don't have any major responsibilities or distractions. <clears throat> but, um, our distractions. But I think there's a kind of, um, there's a pressure when people, you know, turn 30 maybe. And other people are looking at them saying, God, are you still playing? Like, you know, mm. so I've got loads of that down the years. They kind of have stopped doing it now because it's it is just a waste of time, obviously. But, you know, there's enough people to discourage you from doing what you want to do. Yeah. Um, and, and so, it- and if you're waiting. Yeah, no, I mean,
1: you're over 50 years um, uh, playing since you started playing. Yeah. So you you must have seen many positive changes. That must have been a, a much different time for women in sport.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It was, it's it's not comparable at all to modern day. Um, like there was no, like there was telephones, all right, but there was no WhatsApp or no messaging or anything like with mobile phones. So if there was a match fixed, like it would, it was a big deal to cancel a match, you know. Um, girls didn't have sponsorship. Um, your gear was T-shirts, maybe, and, and a skirt if you were lucky. Um, I didn't. I wasn't I wasn't there for the pinafers and the blouse and the black tights and the white socks, which they had before for Komogi. Um, but, you know, times have changed hugely now and people have cars and, you know, there's a bit more affluence and there's a bit of sponsorship coming in lately. But you'll still see, like, you know, for every 20 girls in general, there's maybe only four playing a sport, you know?
1: Yeah. And and over the years, you would have shared a dressing room with, with obviously many different generations. You would have seen people come and go. What, what's it like, to, I suppose,
0: sharing a dressing room now with 20-year-olds? Um, sure, they're, they're still girls, like, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm young at heart, I suppose. Um, granted when they were a little bit younger they're talking about school and things like that things that i haven't i haven't been in school for a long long time so i wouldn't have something in common with them but as they get a bit older they get they start working and they have other things in their head other than school Mm -hmm. and boys and all that sort of stuff but sure it's just fun like i laugh at them they're 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 very funny and they're lovely kids like you know they're they're different all right we might have been I think we were a little bit more serious when I was younger. Um, we kind of, we were out working earlier, maybe, um, a different type of working, like when we got a job, you had to hold on to it. You know, it was the job for life and um, there wasn't any other jobs there, but now people are in and out of jobs and, you know, the world is their oyster really. Yeah. And and as you get a little
1: bit older, do, do you are you still getting stuck in or? or do you find teams try to target you in any way or maybe they have a lot of respect for you uh, out on the pitch do you fear about getting injured
0: <laughs> well, um, well I, there's always the, the risk of injury I don't fear it. I don't go out in the field thinking I'm going to get a bang and get injured but um, it might happen but like if you don't target somebody if people aren't targeting you then there's something wrong like yeah. that's normal that's showing respect for you yeah so, so <laughs> you might have two or three that it might come for you at some stage. But as far as I get a bit cuter, I'm better able to read the game um, than I used to be. Like I, I did play at senior level. So like I'm playing at junior B level now. So that's down yeah. two or three levels from senior. So you do learn something from playing senior for 30 years, you know.
1: Yeah, and and listen, I know um, you work with the Milford Care Centre and you have a big fundraiser, a 10K run for the hospice uh, in March. I think there's a milfordcarecentre.ie for more details on that. So are you going to continue That's playing? Right, yeah,
0: we have a, um, we have a 10K um, that we run annually. So we've had to move it this year. We normally run it at the end of January. So it's been moved now to March the 13th. And you can log on to Milford Care Centre, www.milfordcarecentre.ie. And there's a slider on the website that will take you to an Eventbrite page. And you can register there. And, and as I said, on. you're going to continue, are you? Playing for another few years? Well, I'll i start off training again this year and um, see how it goes. If right. it goes well, I'll stay fit and get fitter as the year goes on. Right, I admire. And sure, uh, the selectors then will pick you or not? That's it. that's not up to me. I just got to training with everybody else. All
1: right, listen, you your have, enthusiasm. Your
0: forty girls there.
1: Your enthusiasm is so much to be admired, Pauline. It's been a great pleasure ch- chatting to you. Congratulations on all your success, and we just wonder is that a record? Do let us know if you can beat that over 50 years playing and still togging out for the club and still scoring in county finals at 62 Paulie McCarty thank you very much for joining us
0: Countrywide on RTE Radio 1 sponsored by the Irish Farmers Journal now with our highest ever readership of 321,000 weekly readers
1: now, on January 22nd, 1972, this exact day 50 years ago, Ireland, together with Britain, Denmark, and Norway, signed a treaty of accession to the European Community. Now, while the memory of January 1972 is overshadowed by the terrible events of Bloody Sunday in Derry at the end of that month, the signing of that treaty was the intention of joining the EC. Has also profoundly shaped the Ireland we live in today. It was the beginning of our journey into what is today a 27 member EU.
4: On the 22nd of January 1972, in Brussels, the four candidate
1: countries signed the treaties. Britain had long wanted to join, and its ties with Ireland meant
3: they must join together. The first
4: Scandinavian applicants were
1: Denmark.
5: Flanked by Frank Aiken, the veteran Fianna Fáil Minister for Foreign Affairs, Jack Lynch met with the European Commission in his role as principal negotiator for Ireland's
4: original application to join the EC.
6: Egmont Palace, Brussels, the arrival of the Prime Minister's party. It was almost the final chapter in ten years of hard bargaining with the signing of the Treaty of Accession. Now it's the turn of the delegation from ERA. The Irish Prime Minister, Jack Lynch. We first applied in 1961, when my predecessor, Sean Damas, personally presented in Brussels our application for membership of the European Economic Communities. We have spent many years, and many millions of, millions of pounds to ensure that agriculture too would be ready to take advantage of the tremendous benefits that offer when we would become members of the community.
1: The following May, the Irish people overwhelmingly voted in a referendum to join the EC. Denmark also passed a referendum, while Norway rejected joining. And on the 1st of January 1973, Britain, Ireland and Denmark
4: officially joined the founding six members of the EC, now the EU. The EC entry was definitely a very long process. Michael Miley is a former RTE journalist who worked in agricultural programs in the 1970s. On the 1st of January 1973, farmers accounted for 24% of the workforce in Ireland. They accounted for 40% of exports. But between 1970 and 1978, farm incomes almost tripled. Now, it's important to say that costs also increased enormously. The real increase of farm incomes was almost double what it would have been in 1978, what it would have been six to eight years earlier.
2: Well, I suppose the first thing I'd say, Damien, is that we joined almost 50 years ago, we joined the UK. And whoever envisaged that 50 years later, we would be in the EU without the UK.
1: Marian Harkin is a former independent member of the European Parliament.
2: Obviously, everybody talks about the various funds, the CAP, obviously, but also lots of other funds. And, and one that comes to mind is all of the money that went into the establishment of the IT around the country and really it was european money that had set up those so it made a huge difference to us here in ireland we
4: know in fact that there are many farmers today carrying cows in excess of a cow to the acre up to a cow and a half to the acre
1: over the past 50 years over true, 60 billion true, euros
4: has been pumped way, into irish farming and food production money. in the form of better subsidies and supports the farm organizations were passionately in favour and the leaders at the time uh, TJ Maher of the IFA and James Luckeef of the ICMSA were very very prominent in the campaign and uh, on the 10th of May 1972 when the votes were counted the next day uh, 83 percent of the electorate voted in favour ...to fertilise their land. We won't get the capital from Brussels. Yes you will. This is the thing you will get low interest loans this is the yeah. thing that you'll not get here at home. I think it's impossible to imagine what the structure and the state of farming would be like today without EU membership.
2: Equally, there's pluses and minuses, I think, in all relationships, Damien. Now, I remember back to the night that the European Commission announced the rate of interest that Ireland would pay on the loans back in the crash in 2009, I think it was. We have never shouted at a television set before or since, but that night when I heard the rate of interest they wanted, I actually shouted at the TV set, tell them keep their bleep money, because they were trying to teach us a lesson. There's been pluses and minuses along the way here, and to me, the biggest single benefit is that we have access to a single market of 400 million people and Irish agriculture and Irish business and Irish service providers and Irish people have really been able to grasp those opportunities and run with them.
1: That was Marian Harkin TD and then former agriculture broadcaster Michael Miley on the 50th anniversary today of the signing of the Treaty of Accession by Jack Lynch and Paddy Hillary in Brussels. Thanks also to RT Archives for uh, some of those recordings there. Uh, Like other programme makers though this morning, I'm thinking about our late colleague Colm Keane whose death has been announced uh, this morning. He was a a generous mentor and always had time for younger colleagues I remember him in here teaching us how to do the basics in getting out on the field and recording uh, interviews like the one that you would have heard earlier on. So I'm always indebted to Colm for the little tips that he would have given uh, many young broadcasters back in the day starting out in the field. So um, he was always very happy to share his immense skills in making those recordings and uh, to his partner Una and all his family and friends, uh, our deepest condolences here and may Colum Keane rest in peace. It's over 30 years since Mitchellstown and Ballyclock co-ops merged to form Dairy Gold, the country's largest farmer-owned co-op with almost 3,000 milk suppliers dotted around the Golden Vale of Munster. Since 2009, Limerick man Jim Wolfe has been CEO of Dairy Gold, which processes milk into cheese, powder and proteins for the global food ingredients market. At the turn of this year, Jim Wolfe retired after over 40 years working with the same company that he actually graduated into uh, from UCC way back in those Haiti days of the early 70s when we were joining the EU. Good morning, Jim.
2: Thanks for coming
1: into the studio. Um, You're not leaving farming completely behind though, are you? Well, no, listen, um, farming has
5: been my life since um, since you could walk almost, you know, being reared on a farm, um, doing chores on a farm, you know, it's been something that has run in my veins, if you like. It's in the DNA. Yeah. So I do a little bit of hobby farming, um, just it's my golf, if, if, if I put it that way, you know.
1: Right. And and you, as you said, you, you grew up on a, on a farm in, in Limerick, the eldest of, of five boys. I know this kind of, it might annoy non-farming people, but... You know, whenever I speak to, to people that grew up on a farm and ended up being quite successful in business, they all put it down to the work ethic of growing up on a farm. Is that real? Absolutely, uh, it is. Um, I mean, you know,
5: growing up in the late 60s and 70s, um, you know, education and farming, when you were born on a farm, you participated preschool in the morning, after school in the evening, holidays. Everything was built around the farm. In fact, often the farm almost came first, the education came second and then at weekends it was GA and church and so on. Uh, but, you know, everybody in, in our family, you, you fed calves, you did, you know, you, you, you milked the cows, you, you you fed lambs at the time, just a mixed farm enterprise, daring was the core. But you participated and you played a role in the farm and there was jobs for everybody and everybody was coordinated. And as I
1: said, do you think that that kind of gave you a foundation to your later life? Well, certainly a real appreciation for what goes on
5: in agriculture. Uh, You know, the commitment, it was a way of life at the time. It has become more business-like. Mm. Today now, more business-like, but it was a way of life. You know, everything revolved around. It was a real family business. A family business. And, you know, where you had boys in the family, everybody had a different jobs. You did get a break um, uh, from doing the, the, the work in the morning in kind of from Easter to summer in an exam year.
1: Right. But that was it. You well, know, the was rest it. Of it. And, and you went on to study dairy science in UCC and then graduated in the 70s, which we referred to there as, uh, you know, Pivotal times for for this country back then were they exciting times? There were exciting times
5: when, when we graduated and when I graduated in, in seventy nine. Um, there was more jobs uh, than there were um, graduates okay. at that particular point in time. Uh, you know there was there was there was growth coming into the industry. Um, Albeit you had challenges from the point of view of butter and skim at EU level, the common agricultural policy was very successful and, you know, milk was in in growth phase. However, it did coincide as well with uh, disease and other challenges within the industry, TB and brucellosis, and there was setbacks among certain processors at that particular point in time. But I think the biggest dynamic of change took place in in 84 with the introduction of quotas. then to deal with surpluses. Was it the right thing to
1: do at the time, do you think?
5: Um, It was the right thing to do at the time, but probably um, held out too long you know, we missed out on what, you know, you've seen the growth over the last five or six years, yeah. uh, you know, but that 31 years certainly stymied the yeah. industry. So,
1: so like for people that don't know, milk quotas were introduced at EU level right across the EU. You, you basically, if you're a dairy farmer, you had a quota above which you could not go or you paid a fine. That was it. So it, it, it was a cap on growth. But then when we did Abolish those milk quotas in, in 2015. I remember, it's not that long ago, I mean, the massive enthusiasm at political level, at processing level, at farmer level. Let's go. Uh, what's keeping you, everybody... Um, you know, let's increase, we're going to become the fastest growing dairy uh, producers in the world and, and all of that went on. Now when we look back on that, should we have done it all differently? When you see the problems that that's created?
5: I think if, if we contextualise it first, I mean, first of all the, the, the planning, you know, in 2008 was the the, the EU decision that that mid-term review made a decision that there was going to be an abolition of quotas in 2015. So that was a seven-year lead-in, if you like. But from the point of view of industry planning and from, from a board uh, of, an, of, of, of a co-op, for example, you know, the plans were being put in place in the 2008, 2011 period, 2012 period, uh, because there was significant infrastructure to be put in place. So, the, you know, It is still the right thing to do. Yes, we have environmental challenges today, but if we look at dairy, if we look at the wholesome naturalness of of dairy, if we look at dairy demand, we have global demand for dairy running at 1.5% consistently per annum.
1: So demand for th- what we produce th- 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 here is th- growing. Is, is growing.
5: It? Yes, absolutely. I mean, this, the, right now supply has contracted a little bit because of environmental issues right across the the, the, the globe. Everybody is is embracing uh, the environmental challenges. But if you take uh, the past, um, if you take the, if you take the world population is growing by about eighty million per annum. We have the growth of population in dairy deficit regions. Uh, and in that case, in those regions, the per capita income is increasing. So, you know, dairy and meat protein, in particular, is sought after now in those
1: areas. So, yeah. the, the prospect is—is that—is that though coming at the expense of the environment, Jim?
5: Well, I think we we'll, we will get into the environment. You know, there's it's much maligned agriculture at the moment. I think does does. Quite a lot of negative uh, um, views being expressed about agriculture, but there's a lot happening in agriculture. Uh, it could be communicated better and presented better, no doubt about that. Uh, but it will be overcome. Mm. We have overcome so many challenges from an agricultural point of view. Uh, but you know, so I'd, I'd be positive and optimistic that we, that, the, that the whole challenge will be embraced. Raised yeah. positively by the farming
1: community. Well, we heard young Owen Ashton there, young farmer of the year. He's milking 150 cows. He doesn't own his own land, but he's very optimistic about his future and what he wants to do. And taking into consideration um, his, his obligations regards to the environment, what what sort of a future does the likes of Owen Ashton have? Will he still be milking the same amount of cows in 2030? I think he will. I think I think uh, Owen was very pragmatic in his approach. He, he, was,
5: he was going to adapt all the best practices that are being spoken about and that are already part of what is a signpost forum uh, collaboration with the industry where, you know, you can do uh, and apply the reducing fertiliser, protected urea, low emission slurry spreading and a whole range of other things like milk recording, you know, the whole area of, yeah. of making... You can get a significant reduction in your, on your carbon emissions by applying those technologies well, to well, But there yeah. are the methane issue. There is emerging technology in the context of methane is the biggest challenge within the dairy herd. And there's no doubt uh, that there is an amount of trials going on at the moment on various products that will be able to assist down the road in the context of curbing that methane. Okay. And there, oh, I'm optimistic about that. If we look at COVID, for example, 12 months ago, uh, you know, we would only have the start of a vaccine. There was no vaccine there. Uh, Twenty-three months. So there ago. is technology.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'd have great, I'd have great faith yeah. in that technology will bring about. But, but, but critics on the face of it will say, you know, that, that the agriculture is paying lip service to the environment, saying we're going to do all these things while still planning to increase production. Um, is is there a lot of kind of, you know, is it business as usual and greenwashing going on, or what do you say to that charge? Uh,
5: no, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't agree with that. I think the farming community, look, um, there's no doubt the twenty-two to thirty percent um, um, guidelines of reduction. And carbon that's being um, um, presented by the Climate Change Advisory Council is being seriously addressed by the by the sector. The sector is a little bit, uh, how I put it, it's fragmented in its approach, and it's it, you know it's being um, maligned at the moment. But uh, but like everything, you know, the farming community are resilient. The farmers have always embraced change. Yeah. Everything. God, I mean, can you imagine 31 years of quota and still survive the business? In a business, yeah. you know the, the the industry is 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 in a very good position from the point of view of it will embrace that change and it will embrace it positively. I'm convinced of that, uh, it, but it does need help and it needs incentives, of course, and that's
1: wh- what's mm. what the uh, what the industry will do. And I I see where prices for uh milk are pretty good at the moment, thirty five to forty cent a liter, something like that. Do you see that? continuing throughout the year. I know you'd be probably be reluctant to kind of predict what milk price is going to be like, but why is it so buoyant at the moment? Well, well it is just exactly because if,
5: if, if we look at global demand, as I mentioned earlier there, it is still consistent at about 1% to 1.5%. If we take China, for example, uh, China in 2021 imported uh, 30% more powders than they did in the prior year it underpinned the market in 2021 for example and that's really positive so dairy demand is still strong supply has eased and that's a very fine line mm. we're in that position in fact on milk price the base price actually has crossed 40 cent a liter um, uh, d- decided by the co-ops this month it's a it's a it's a it's a new threshold um, certainly, and look, I can't predict the future. It is cyclical, you know. Yeah. Dairy markets are cyclical. There's no doubt about that. Over time, we've seen it from in 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 2009,
1: it was 20 centiliter, you know. And 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 Jim, what what is the success? What's the 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 story of Ireland's success in being able to, I suppose, corner markets all around the globe? For for we we export what 90 percent of the milk that we produce here is exported in the form of powders, butter, yeah. cheese, and so on. Why why, why do we have that
5: premium place? I think we're exporting exactly 90, 95% approximately now. I mean, €5.3 billion euro in value was the milk exports out of the country last year. 40% of our food and drink exports is, is dairy-related. Um, the whole issue in Ireland is, is reputation for quality, the reputation for innovation. We're good salespeople as well, whether it is the co-ops or Ornuá. Uh, assisted by Borbia. You know, we have a good commercial edge to us as a nation. You know, that farming instinct, that dealership Mm. uh, DNA runs right through commercially. We have the grass-fed system stands out and it's unique in the context of speaking to customers. The fact that it's so natural, 280 days plus cows grazing, you know couldn't you can't get it better it yeah. underpins so much of our brands uh for or would also innovative you know we have one point in time, it was this being disposed of. When I joined the industry, the it was being disposed of to pig farms and other ways out of
1: farm. Now it's us get into sports, nutrition and all Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. And, and, and um, I'm looking at you, Jim. The, the one thing is you won't have to be worrying about battling with farmers now about milk prices into the future. That's all behind you. You're retiring now, but you're still a young, fresh man. And you are listening to your fellow county woman there, Pauline McCarthy, earlier, 62 and still playing away. Um, why did you decide, decide, I suppose, to pull back at this stage?
5: Well, I suppose, listen, uh, I suppose when you cross that, um, <laughs> the big 6-0, you, you begin to think about life a bit different and you begin to plan. And, you know, I just wanted to put a bit more work-life balance. You know, yeah. it's not about giving up work. It's not about putting on slippers or anything like that and, and, and sitting on a sofa watching TV. And is family time important? Family time is very important, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, spending more time at home. You know, if, if, if anything, the past uh, few weeks have been is, is being able to manage your time, self-manage I'm still involved in a lot of projects and a lot of activity um, and will continue to do so. Um, you know, so that's really,
1: really... And, and grandchildren fo- to keep you occupied Yeah, a
5: gra- young grandson, Shea, um, just four months uh, old yesterday. So that's uh, that's really exciting. That's another, another development. Yeah. And, um, you know, our, our girls are following their own career paths at this stage and and independent of Anne and I. So from that point of view, you know, you make a, um, a life decision, say, well, you know, uh, there is... Uh,
1: there's life beyond all There's the beyond, exactly. bustle of business. Yeah. And I know you, you've been appointed now to the board of, of Enterprise Ireland as well, which will, will keep you occupied there. But more importantly than anything is um, uh, the Limerick Curlers. So your great passion is Limerick Curling and um, you're heading for Ennis tomorrow, are you? Yeah, I'm heading,
5: I'm heading for Ennis tomorrow. Yeah, look, I, I say myself as a GA person, i am in Cork for 40 years. I'm, I've been inv- I'm involved
1: in... Still in very it. much a Limerick fan, though, despite your naturalisation well, of... I
5: suppose, listen, you have to say that the savage loves his native shore.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, it's been a great few years if you have been a, a Limerick uh, GA supporter indeed. But listen, Jim, it's been great chatting to you and I'm sure we can maybe tap in on your, your expertise and your commentary um, on, on agri-matters and, and dairying uh, over the years uh, ahead. I hope uh, uh, you'll be available for for all of that. You'll be be casting a different sort of eye on the development of the dairy sector in this country. But it's good just to get your your own uh, views and opinions on where we are at this stage. And we wish you all the very best in in your retirement. Thanks so much for chatting to us on Countrywide today. Thanks, Damien. All right. Well, now the lifting of restrictions at six o'clock this morning is very hopeful. And yet not everyone feels quite ready for this moment. We all know families who've lost so much in the past two years, But how do we reconnect with life? Well, the easiest way to connect is to smile, even if it's only a small smile, a tentative smile, a smile of solidarity, a sympathetic smile from behind your mask smile. I'm going to leave you this morning with some thoughts on this from Seamus O'Rourke. They might come in handy in the week ahead. Today's programme was produced by Brenda Donoghue. Brian Moss was broadcast coordinator Tommy O'Sullivan was unsound. Until I talk to you at the same time next week. Bye bye, and thanks for listening. Here's Seamus O'Rourke and smile, smile.
6: I know we can't see your face with that mask on, but smile from under your chin all the way down to your toes, and from the bridge of your nose upwards. Bring a smile into your eyes. To some you might just look surprised, but so what. Ask them what they've got in the way of positivity and joy. Try whistling for a while. Whistle a jig or a reel or Bohemian Rhapsody backwards. And if you can't whistle with your mask on, whistle inwardly instead. Maybe make a humming sound or let a fart in company. Don't keep such a symphony to yourself. Let it rip. Not everything has to stop. Dance. Do a little dance when you're standing in line. When everyone else is two meters away, do a shuffle, just a one, two, three, or feel free to elaborate. Go for a high kick, or a twirl, or a spin, or a swing. Sing. Anything from Bing Crosby to Bob Dylan to Stormzy. Give it lots of attitude. Be a cool dude like Hosier. Be a soldier. Grab hold of life. Fight the negativity to the left and right Call on your generosity and your spirit of goodwill and kindness And for goodness sake, stay away from the cloak and dagger in Those circling the bandwagons are circling all in vain For pain has been this way before It has knocked at our door many times These fleeting tweets of hype and spite Should make us want to say, get the hell away Not today, today we play, play with your kids and your grandkids. Grab your sons and daughters and lavish them with love and hugs and squeeze them tight. Make funny faces, blow raspberries, make rude noises that prizes out laughter and squeals of delight. That's the fight. Tell someone a joke. If you haven't got a good one, make one up, make tea, make a cup for everyone and talk, talk. Talk to yourself if there's no one there. Who cares if you answer back? Interview yourself. Give yourself a prize for hanging in and not giving out. Shout, shout if you're in trouble or when you see your team score. And if this past year has taken its toll, shout even more. Shout, hip array.
2: Hooray.
6: Hip array. Hip hooray. Hip, hip hooray. Come on, find your smile again this time remember to wear it out on life and love and something funny that you once said
0: countrywide on rte radio one sponsored by the irish farmers journal pick up this week's paper to find out what the future of your farm payments will look like